Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, Networld, and it's great to be with you again. We're continuing in our series titled The Family Bible Revolution, an end time message for his generational blessing. And we've been talking about church worship, which is the fifth essential to the family Bible revolution. Church worship is an important part of a Christian's life. It talks about being in the church. And again, the word for church is ecclesia. It's the meeting. It's the assembly of the saints in the temple on the Sabbath or at church on Sunday in the beauty of holiness. Wow, that's important, how beautiful God sees it as we gather in his name. And there's a big difference between personal prayer and personal worship. We could call it corporate prayer and corporate worship, but I prefer to call it church prayer and church worship. It's the gathering of the saints in prayer before God. Oh, what a wonderful thing. It's like the oil on Aaron's beard. And then it's the presentation of the word by the gifts that God has placed in the church, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And then the move of the Spirit through his people, through the gifts of the Spirit, through prophecy, and through the laying on of hands. It's a wonderful and beautiful thing in the sight of God. Today I want to talk about giving, giving in the church, and what that has to do with us corporately or church-wise. Actually, the better word would be as family. You see, when Jesus said he would build his church, he wasn't kidding. Matthew sixteen eighteen through 19 says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is believing for a strong and prosperous church. In Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, and this is important, he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, God's believing for that strong, powerful church. He said he will build his church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And he's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God wants a strong church. And in order to be the strong church, we need to meet and we need to pray and we need to worship, but we also need to give. You see, giving is a part of worship. First, it's a part of service. Our giving in service to the Lord. In Hebrews six ten through 11, 
For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. You see, in order to be a strong church, the people need to offer service. It's called a work and a labor of love, which we show towards his name, in that we minister to the saints and do minister. And a second part of giving is in our finances. That would be in tithes and offerings. First Chronicles 16.28, as we meet, it says, Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. You see, our giving in service and our giving in finances, God considers to be the beauty of holiness, to establish his covenant. Listen to Deuteronomy 8.18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. God's looking for a strong church. He's looking for his church to serve in works and labor of love, and he's also looking for his church to give in tithes and offerings. What makes his church strong is the people in their serving and giving. And God has the best financial system that's ever been devised on earth. It's called the system of tithes and offerings. There are purposes and promises to both the tithe and the offering. We can see the purpose and the promise of the tithe in Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Let's look at that. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's where we're fed. That's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that there may be food in my house. That means both natural and spiritual. He says, try me now in this. One of the only places in the Bible that he says to test him, he says, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That's the promise of the tithe. The purpose is for a strong church. The promise is that you'll be blessed. And there's also a purpose and promise of offerings. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, it says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I got to stop right there. The promises of offerings is that all grace would abound toward you, that you always having how much sufficiency? All sufficiency. In how many things? In all things. And that you may have an abundance for every good work. And then continuing in verse 9, as it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Wow. And verse 10, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you've sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you're enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. 
Wow, you're causing thanksgiving. There's thanksgiving. When you give, there's others thanking God for it. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While, through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Yeah, there are purposes and promises to God's financial system of tithes and offerings. It's a blessing. It's how he has a strong church. It's how the church can take dominion over the earth. And he wants us to love the church. Of course, the church is his people. You see, if you don't like the people in the church, then you have an attitude against the bride of Christ. You have an attitude against the ones he loves and will be serving at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Listen to Luke twelve thirty six through 37. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you, and I love this part, that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. Wow, that's just fantastic. We need to love the church like Jesus loves the church. We need to not have an attitude against the church. Maybe it's trying at times, but we've got to love the bride. If he loves the bride, then we need to love the bride, and we're all the bride of Christ. I like what Reinhard Bonnke said. I saw it on a Facebook post. A Christian believer needs a church just as a candle needs a candlestick, a tree needs soil, and an electric light bulb needs a socket. Without a candlestick, a candle cannot stand. Without soil, a tree cannot grow. Without a socket, an electric bulb cannot shine. And neither can you. Without fellowship, a Christian can neither stand, nor grow, nor shine. Think about it. What a great word from Reinhard Bonnke. Rick Warren, in talking about church membership, had some very interesting things to say. He said, today most people associate the term membership with paying dues, meaningless rituals, silly rules and handshakes, and having your name on some dusty roll. Paul, however, had a very different image of membership. To him, being a member of the church did not refer to some cold induction into an institution, but rather it meant becoming a vital organ of a living body. Any organ that is detached from the body will not only miss what it was created to be, but it will also shrivel and die quickly. The same is true for Christians that are uncommitted to any specific congregation. He goes on and says, There are many analogies for a Christian disconnected from a church, such as a football player without a team, a soldier without a platoon, a tuba player without an orchestra, a sheep without a flock. But the most understandable and biblical picture is that of a child without a family. And another quote he said is, The phrase, one another or each other, is used over 50 times in the New Testament. We are commanded to love each other, encourage each other, admonish each other, greet each other, serve each other, teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, sing to each other, submit to each other, and be devoted to each other. All of these commands are what membership in a local body of believers is all about. I love those comments from Rick Warren because I believe the church provides a place for you to connect 
to the Lord's body. Rick Warren also gives numerous benefits to be a part of the body of Christ. One, it identifies a person as a genuine believer. Two, it provides a spiritual family to support and encourage them in their walk with Christ. Three, it gives them a place to discover and use their gifts in ministry. Four, it places them under the spiritual protection of godly leaders. And five, it gives them the accountability they need to grow. 1 Timothy 3.15 refers to the church as the family of God. That family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. God does not want his children growing up in isolation from each other, so he created a spiritual family for us. And Paul reminded us in Ephesians 2.19, you are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. A Christian without a church family is an orphan. And Paul mentions two different types of commitment in 2 Corinthians 8.5. It says, first, they gave themselves to the Lord, and then, by God's will, they gave themselves to us as well. Our time is up, and I gotta go. So tune in tomorrow as we establish the Family Bible Revolution, an end-time message for his generational blessing. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.